you, Lord Jesus. That's my Jesus. Hallelujah. He, he raises the dead, heals the sick, delivers the bound, sets the captive free. Praise the Lord. I know because I was all those. I was dead in trespasses and sins, but he delivered me. What about you tonight? Set you free, brought you to a holy place where angels themselves cannot even walk where we have been called to walk. What a blessed people we are tonight. Don't you love him? Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Come together to be able to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth and be able to sing and pray and hear testimonies and see the great things that our God is doing. It's an awesome hour to be a child of God. I know, I know what you're thinking. It's so difficult. I know all that. I have those things too, just like you did. But I'm also reminded whenever I have those things, it's one of the best signs in the world that the devil hasn't got me because he's still trying. I keep telling him he just won't listen. I'm telling him he's wasting his time. But he just keeps on trying anyway. I knock him down, gets back up. I knock him down, get him back up. The final knock is going to be mine, and I'm going to be gone up. Maybe then he'll be convinced. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, we're certainly happy to be together tonight. I just want to make comment about, thank all of those of you that came over last night to help us in the the new place to get everything all cleaned up and make it look better. It wasn't just a time of cleaning, but it's a good time to be able to be together. Amen. Amen. Just so, so enjoyed that. So appreciate each of you that were there and all the effort that was put forth on everybody's parts and thank you for that. We'll probably have some more of those times too. So if you missed last night, don't worry, you'll get your chance. We'll be able to get together. Let's turn tonight to Mark chapter 5, verse 22. This is the same setting that we read um, last time we spoke on this, but different author. And you know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, some of the stories, um, all four writers wrote of the same story, and they would write it a little bit different. Uh, critics like to take those stories and compare them word for word and, you know, say this is wrong and this is wrong. And they left this out and they left that out. But for those of us that are believers, we don't have to have all the explanation. We're not explainers. We're believers. So we believe whether or not we can explain it because we're believers. And Mark wrote this instant just a little bit different than what we read the last time. Mark chapter 5, verse 22. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, or Jairus. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee. Come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Now, since you and I are believers, I believe if we would have lived in that day, those people would have been us. Now, whether you'd have been Jarius, the make-believe sort of a guy, or been converted, or we would have been one of those in the throng, or we would have been one of the apostles, we would have been one of them that would have followed him. 
because that's what we're doing today. No matter where you would have put us in any dispensation of time, Noah's day, Luther's day, Wesley's day, Elijah's day, or this Elijah's day, we would have always been believers because that's who we are. I mean, I'd like to be remembered tonight as we pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you for the service tonight. Lord, we just ask him that you'd help us, that you'd speak to us by your word tonight, Father. We're so needy, and Lord, we know we don't trouble you by saying that. We just simply say it, Father, that we can express our needs, and the Bible tells us to make our requests known unto you and to, even to each other. So we're here to do that tonight and express by raising our hands, nodding our heads, whatever it was, that we have needs, desires, petitions, and we're looking to you tonight to help us, Father. So we pray the Spirit of God would just anoint us. We know the world is getting in the spirit of hatred, the spirit of politics, the spirit of arguing, of debate, the spirit of so much stuff in the last day. And we know also we must get in the spirit. But the spirit we want is not the spirit of arguing, debating, fussing, fighting. That's not what we want. We want to be in the spirit of love and mercy and worship and forgiveness. And we want to most of all be in the spirit that will be able to be conducive for the rapture the changing of our bodies. Help us tonight, Father, that we will press beyond the Laodicea time frame that we live in. May we receive a temporary resurrection as it was tonight, Father, while we are assembled together that we might be caught up in the spirit of rapture. Granted, I pray, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let's, let's read, if you would, in verse 35. There, I'm going to need a little bit more on this monitor, if you would. <clears throat> Notice Mark chapter 5, verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Now, watch the response of the Lord Jesus. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue. You've got to be kidding me. Somebody from his house said his daughter is dead. And Jesus' response is this, be not afraid. Really? So your daughter has died. And the Lord Jesus says, don't be afraid. Only believe. Now can you imagine what the people in the crowd that were make-believers and unbelievers, and we know everywhere he went, there was people that followed him around and no doubt they'd take notes and they'd write down this and they'd write down that and they'd go home and compare them and say, he said this right here the other day and he said this right here today and that don't compare. That's not the same thing. The Bible tells us that he had people that was trying to catch him in his words. 
So you'd imagine that there was some of them there, them snakes in the grass, them low down hypocrites, and there's writing down, oh boy, I got something now. I got something on him now. Now I've got something. Boy, I'm gonna take this to the Pharisee. I'm gonna take this to the Cephasus. I'm gonna take this to that. <laughs> but God's gonna take it to the bank. Now, it depends on where you're going to take the promise tonight that you hear. It will depend upon what you will get out of the promise. So, no doubt, some of them people made up their mind, boy, that's what I came for. That's it. That's what I come for. I come to catch something. I've got something now. I can't wait to get down there. My, my wife was kind of believing this guy, and my son and my daughter. Now I've got something to take home to them. I've got something to tell them. You are following a nut. This man is out of his mind. Be careful before you take this home to your wife. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue. Now, his servant, his slave, whatever it was, had said one thing. But Jesus is fixing to say something else. Now, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? That's one report. But here is another report, which is exact opposite. Be not afraid. Tell me, how is that possible? A family member is dead. It is your only child. It is from the word of a loyal servant. He is not teasing. He has not come trying to bring something contrary, only stating facts. So what are you going to believe? Facts or the word of a renegade? The word of an illegitimate born man, supposedly. The word of a man that is so radical that nobody in the right mind would follow him. Praise the Lord. A man that was so different that he told people unless they ate his flesh and drank his blood, they would have no life. And you're going to believe a man like that? Yep, this man I will. But now this other guy is simply stating facts. You know, it's amazing how wrong facts can be. It's amazing how wrong that a person standing right there watching the doctor put his hand here, nothing in the neck. Put his hand here on the pulse, nothing there. Take a mirror, lay it before her nostrils. Nothing warm coming out of the body. Yep, she's dead. Maybe say, well, let me check her one more time before you go tell Jarius just to make sure we don't want to upset the man. So he stayed there for a few more minutes and checked the pulse again. Check for the heart rate. Put his hands upon the neck. No, no, there's nothing. Go ahead and go. So he comes and he delivers the facts. Sir, you are eat up with cancer. Sir, there is no hope for your wife. Sir, there is no hope for your son. There is no hope for your daughter. We're living in the time of COVID. You cannot have victory. That is a lie. 
I said, that is a lie. I'm sick and tired of the church of the living God living under the fear of COVID. People are fussing about COVID. The message people are arguing about COVID. They're arguing about masks. They're arguing about vaccines or not vaccine. I think it's high time that we go to recognizing that enemy that's trying to get among us. It ain't just one with a temperature. It ain't just one that'll make you cough and sneeze. It is a devil of contention. It is a devil that's trying to split the church of the living God. But we were here before COVID and we will be here after COVID when they found a cure for COVID or if they don't find a cure for COVID, we know what the answer is. It is power in the word of God and we say the Lord Jesus is greater than COVID. He's greater than death. He's greater than hell. He's greater than the grave and he lives in Side of us. Oh, well, I've got all the facts. Well, I'd hate for you to been standing there that day when Jesus said something other than facts. Well, it looked like it was opposite anyway. He says unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid. How is it that every mortal that was born since the fall, man's greatest fear was death? Whether his own or his wife's or his daughter's or his son or his mother or his father, why? Death dissolves the union that we know as Fred or Jim or Joe or Carol or Janet or whoever more. It dissolves that union, that hand that we've held. My, that precious brow that we've rubbed. Death dissolves that union. How can you not fear it? You believe Jesus. He saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid. Why? Fear paralyzes faith. It paralyzes it. All of you have had your hand to go to sleep or your foot to go to sleep or your leg to go to sleep as we say. You've still got a leg. You've still got a hand. You've still got an arm, but you just can't move it because something has happened to the nerve and the flow of the energy has been temporarily cut off and you just can't move it. Well, that's the way that fear does to real, genuine, God-anointed faith. It's like it brings a paralysis upon that and you just can't move. You know you need to and you know you want to and you try to wiggle your finger as it was or move your hand but something has paralyzed it that's what the devil wants to do to the church of the living God well I want to go to church but I'm afraid of COVID I want to go to church but I'm afraid of this and that and the other I think it's time that we as the people of God move beyond our fears oh sure have common sense I agree with all of that but there's a difference between common sense and being terrified by the devil and being held down and robbed of our victory in Christ Jesus. Robbed of fellowship. Robbed of going to the house of God. Robbed of going to the grocery store and being able to hear somebody sneeze and you not run out of there 40 miles an hour. Because 
because we're scared of coughs. We're scared of sneezing. We're scared of wheezing. We're scared of a nanny running out. I wish somebody would preach with me tonight. We need to look that fear devil in the face and say, I am sick and tired of you paralyzing my faith. Oh my, you need to tell him, look devil, you didn't give me my life and you ain't taking it. I don't live for you. I don't belong to you. I am a son or daughter of God. He brought me to the earth and he will take me out. Be not afraid. Only Belief. <laughs> and he suffered no man to follow him save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. So now he's got to go through all that atmosphere. Was it genuine? Yes, some of it was. And some of these were, of course, hired professionals, and this is what they'd done for a living. So they didn't paint for a living, they didn't do converters, they cried. They cried for a living, and they wailed, and they bemoaned. So naturally, who got hired the most was the biggest bewailer. Whoever got the most weekly money because they got hired by the, you know, you imagine you want to get sister so-and-so because she is a moaner. You want to get sister so-and-so because she is a wailer. Wow, when you want that to be your reputation, huh? So this is what they do. So Jesus had to press through all of the wailing and the moaning and some sincere and some was paid for. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, what make ye this ado? And weep, the damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Now remember, God wants not only his children to take his logos, his written word, which is the mandate of the hour, but God wants us to have the spirit of the word. Now we've been through this before, that in the beginning God didn't just give the word and give all the dynamic power wrapped right up in the word so when you would quote the word that every devil, any unbeliever would have total access to the power of God, but God actually separated the spirit from the written word and that's why the devil come to the Lord Jesus and could quote the written word, word by word to the Lord Jesus, but it had no power over him. If the power would have been there, he could have bound the Lord Jesus right there. But God took the spirit away from the word and then he grants the anointing to his children, the anointing of the hour to quicken the word for the day they live in. Then they take that word with the spirit of God on that word and they make it live and God actually proves his word by them. That's the only way God can prove his word is by believers. Now, the Lord Jesus said, why do you make all this ado? The damsel is not dead. Now, he has spoke something contrary to science. 
He spoke something contrary to human reason. Anybody now by this time, who knows how long it was? The prophet said it was at least a couple of hours. He said they'd already wrapped her up and they'd put spices on her body and they was only waiting. You know how it was with Ananias? When Ananias walked up and lied before Peter and they took and buried the man and he didn't even ask his wife. They did not put him up the way we do today for a week or three or four days or whatever more, but they took them immediately. When Ananias come in, she walked into there. Her husband was already dead and buried. And they was fixing to take this daughter and bury her, but the prophet said they wanted her daddy to see her for the last time. Well, that's common sense, is it not? It's all based upon facts and true reality. It follows science, it follows common sense, it follows what's happened to man ever since the fall of man in the beginning. But Jesus is fixing to break that cycle. It would only be common sense. What do you do with somebody's dead? Well, you bury them. What do you do to them? You wrap them up and spice it. But Jesus is fixing to break that cycle. So what do you do? You either choose. Now the man, Jairus, had to stand there and say it's common sense. There's no respiration. There's no heart. There's no blood pressure. Or believe the word of this man that was considered to be a radical. And that was that he said, do not fear. You kidding me? My daughter is dead. There's no life. There's no respiration. He must have reached down somewhere inside of him and taking the very words of the Lord Jesus helped drive back that fear of death. How could he have done it, friends? He was not even born again. This man didn't even have the Holy Ghost and he was just a borderline type of believer in the first place. If the Lord Jesus would do that for a man of this caliber, what would he do for us tonight? We're sitting here tonight born again filled with the Holy Holy Ghost, believe the word with all of our hearts. We're not make believers. We're not just trying to him, the old mouth follow him for the biscuits and the loaves and the fishes. We serve him with all of our hearts. If he could do that for Jarius, I wonder what he could do right here in this building tonight. Now watch, he makes this profound statement, the damsel is not dead. The prophet tells us no doubt there was many little maidens that died the very same day in the city. But Jesus never said this about them. He did not say they were not dead, but he knew she had eternal life. Listen to me, friends. Brother Gene Lehman is not dead. Sister Linda, Brother Jimmy, it's not dead. All the rest of our brothers and sisters that have gone, they are not dead. And they're not even soul sleeping. The only thing they're sleeping is their body. Oh my, if we could get an update tonight from Brother Jimmy or oh my, just the recent ones that we've had, Sister Eastep, if we could get an update tonight from her and Sister Donna as they crossed over, maybe Brother Jimmy and some of the rest of them that just been over there for a few weeks and they run down to the river. Hallelujah! I wonder what an update would be like from the sixth dimension. How have y'all been doing? We've been doing great. Where are you going? Nowhere. Are you tired of it? No, ma'am. Are you ready to go back to the no man, we don't want to go back. What's it like? It's beyond perfect. It's beyond sublime. It's beyond everything I've ever experienced in my life. And the only thing that would make it better is for the rest of our brothers and sisters to be gathered together, hallelujah. And we will go back to earth and take up bodies and there we will eat and we will drink 
and it will be eternal life in a human body, a continuation of this same life. Are you bored? We can't get bored. Are you sick? We can't get sick. Are you tired? We can't get tired. Are you down? We can't get down. Are you gloomy? We can't get gloomy. Hallelujah. Now Jesus speaks these words of God. The damsel is not dead. Now he's got to prove it. If he does not prove this, he is a liar. Praise the Lord. But we know he ain't no liar. The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. And the prophet said that his face turned red like an embarrassment because there were so many of them. And you're him. Who knows if Peter and James and John even really believed it and understood it yet. They must have had a little bit of faith by him taking them with them. But when he had put them all out, yeah, that's what you gotta do sometimes. He taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him. Brother, sister, I'll tell you one thing. That's who I wanna be identified with. Them that are with him. Oh, I pray if I ever get in dire need that there'll be some saints of God here that will do me like they done that man in the Bible when they tried to press into the house where Jesus was and they couldn't get in there because there wasn't no room in the doors. There wasn't no room in the windows. So they went up on top of the roof of the house and they started taking up whatever more, the clapboard shingles and the straw or whatever that was there and they started turning it all off. Give me friends like that. Give me friends that when I get in the time of need, hallelujah, that they won't say, well, the obstacles are too great. The circumstances are too difficult. Give me some young men. Give me some brothers. Give me some sisters that'll stand behind me and bring their crowbar and say, let's pull off a hole here. Let's let Brother Donnie down through the hole in the roof. Let's take a brother or sister into the presence of the living God to get them healed. If we can get him to Jesus, Jesus, he'll walk out. We'll drop him down, but he'll walk out. Enter us in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and saith unto her, Talitha kumi. These are two Aramaic words. This is the language that Jesus spoke. Telusa. Telisa kumi. Notice what it's interpreted now. Which is being interpreted. Damsel, I say unto thee, not me and the Father and the Holy Ghost, but I. Who are we talking about? The I am. <laughs> The I am, the resurrection and the life. He didn't ask, need to ask some father, some old man that was somewhere a million miles away. He didn't ask, need to ask the so-called third person of the Godhead. Is it okay with you two guys if I do this? He was the Godhead. 
Amen. He didn't need permission. Hallelujah. He didn't need a board. He didn't need Peter's approval. He didn't need the bishop's approval. He was the approval. Amen. He was the approval. He had already said the maid is not dead. Now he's going to prove his word. But he can't prove it without her. And straightway, the damsel arose. So she gets up and walked, for she was the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. So how does God prove his word? Well, it depends, of course, upon what word we're looking at. Now, in the beginning, of course, when he created, man was not there. The allocation of that word was not contributed to be partnership with man. But there are certain things in the word of God that God has co-aligned with his children. Angels cannot fulfill it. Cherubims cannot fulfill it. Only sons and daughters. And when God ordains it to be thus, it will be fulfilled. How many believes it? Notice this in proving his word. The prophet said he proves his word in every age by the most unusual way. But he always does it in the same way, see? What did he do in the days of Noah? When he's fixing to deliver the remnant, he sent them Noah the prophet. He sent Noah a sign. So God used Noah and his family to prove his word that a flood was coming. And Noah did not build a great big condominium boat and then had 1,013 extra bedrooms, but he had exactly the amount of bedrooms that was needed because God told him whenever he started building this ark, it'll only be for you and your family. Yet Noah preached with all of his heart. He preached repentance. No doubt he preached the mercy of God, but he already knew only those that God had told him about was gonna be there. Well, I wish somebody would preach with me tonight. But God used who to prove his word? Not angels, not cherubims, but he used a man and his family. A man that was a farmer, a simple sort of a guy. And the prophet tells us in the seals that those people lost their being because they stumbled over the simplicity of this preacher that God sent. They lost their being because they stumbled over. Now remember, we're not talking about creation word now, but we're talking about word that is partnership with God's servants upon the earth. Oh, I hope that God's got an allocation. I believe he does for Happy Valley Church. Not only for us as a church, but for me as an individual, for you as an individual. I want to fulfill them promises. And God could only use Noah. Now Noah was a man that made plenty of mistakes and failures and so on, just as we do today. But God had Noah's name written on that promise and nobody else could fulfill it. I realize, friends, there's folks in this day sure don't like it that God chose Brother Branham to be the prophet. They think it should have been them. They think it should have been their bishop or their pastor or whoever more because he was a much better educated man. And he was a man that had greater recall because Brother Branham was a man like us. 
yes. So he would tell a story this way. Five years later, he'd tell it this way. Two years later, he'd tell it this way. And they're trying to say he's a liar. No, he was only a human being like you. You mean to tell me you tell every one of your stories exactly the same way? Caught you in a big one right there, didn't I? You're like all the rest of us. You don't have perfect recall. And he was just a plain old Kentucky guy. Only went to the seventh grade. But God used this man because it was his choice to fulfill Malachi 4. I don't like it. Don't make a better difference. God never asked if you did. Hallelujah. God used Joshua and Caleb to prove his word. Now, there was all kinds of other people that was there. In the original outcoming of Egypt, there was all kinds of them. But you know what? They had an unbelieving heart. And when it come to the promised land, they said, we cannot do it. The spies went over and brought the report back. Oh, my, there's too much COVID. There's too much sickness. There's too much this. There's too much that. We cannot do it. But Joshua and Caleb said, we are more than able to take the land. Come on, church. Are we more than able to live a victorious life? In COVID the way we did pre-COVID? Are we gonna be this sad, gloomy type of people the rest of our life to the rapture? I ain't answering for you tonight, but I'm answering for myself. In the middle of trouble, I can have joy unspeakable and full of glory in the middle of hell. I believe my Jesus wants me to have peace and joy. Come on, head saints. Brother Donnie ought to fight for it. I sure will, and that's what I am. I am a fighter. Some of you draw out your little rubber sword and it blows in the wind. Oh, oh, I give up. Yeah, go ahead, you big yellow belly coward. You chicken hearted thing. Come on, pull that thing out of its scabbard. Hold it up there and let it glisten in the light. Oh my, if you're a child of God, you've got a sword that perfectly fits your hand. Remember when that sword fell in the prophet's hand and he said he held it up there and looked at it, Brother Paul, and he described it with all that glistening metal and all that there, and he said it perfectly fit my hand. Well, I'm gonna tell you one thing. His sword won't work in my hand. His sword won't work in your hand. My sword won't work in your hand. But God puts that word in the heart of every child of God and you on your basis with your own experience with God you don't meet God as I do you don't meet God as a pastor or an evangelist or a prophet you meet God as a young man filled with the Holy Ghost taking that word and say out of my way devil oh you're not a preacher I'm not called to be one but I'm a child of God and this sword fits my hand perfectly Hallelujah. My, the prophet said, well, Joshua led them down there. And the Jordan gets real low. You can wade across it most anywhere unless you'd hit a hole of water that's pretty deep with all the little fords and things right there on the banks where Jericho was. Why, you can wade across it. Isn't much over ankle deep. Any of y'all seen this Jordan he's talking about with your eyes? Any of you here? You have. Carol has. I have. Erica is a young girl. You have, Sister Benton. So in some of those places, you got in your mind it's like the Mississippi or the great Ohio River. No. No. Some places ain't a whole lot bigger than Boone's Creek. 
So why did God pick the worst time of the year? Isn't it amazing that we get gigantic mountains across in front of us and we get a scripture in our mind, speak to that mountain and it'll move. God actually don't want us to speak to it. He wants us to climb it. <laughs> Woo! It takes real understanding from the presence of God of where you are, whether you're going to speak or put your climbing gear on. That's a lot harder to climb than it is to speak. But if that's the will of God, you can speak till you turn blue in the face and it'll never move because God's got your climbing boots on you and God's been working you for a long time to get you up this mountain. It takes real discernment, don't it, children? Now, notice how the prophet lays this out. Why, you can wade across it. It isn't much over an ankle deep. But he led them there at the time of April when the flooded country was flooded there for almost a mile. They said, don't God know how to calculate the water in the fall? He does. This was a perfect time. Why? Greater miracle. Well, you see, it wouldn't have been no great big a thing if they'd have walked across the there and it'd been way up here maybe. Or there's some holes in there, of course. People get baptized. Whenever we were there a couple years ago, we saw people getting baptized and they'd have to go way out, Brother Fred, to even be able to have enough water to dip them down in there. So there were there, there was the standing in Israel looking across the border and there was another country there and they'd have to find that spot. But God said, no, that ain't what I want. I want to prove my word by my children. So God said, I'm going to time this exodus so it'll be timed exactly right where it will look like it's the worst time ever to send Elijah the prophet. I'm going to send him after, oh my, all these prophets that's been on the earth. I'm going to send him after they go up into Zion, Illinois, and they'll make a holy city. I'm going to send him after Reverend Moon. I'm going to send him after Reverend this and Reverend that. All the blue flame worshipers and all that. I'm going to send them after all that so there'll be more scarecrows around. But my children will go right through every one of them. They'll be so linked to that word, it will not even slow them down. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to send them when there'll be a flood of all types of theology. There'll be a flood of false prophets. There'll be a flood of all types of stuff. But that's when I'll manifest my children the greatest and I will prove my word by my children. Oh, my. The water was probably 30 or 40 feet deep. So it goes from, say, here to 30 feet. It's like, wow. God, why would you do that? To prove his word through you. Well, come on now. Don't get quiet on me. Don't get scared now. Remember, don't don't, don't be afraid. Oh, but Brother Donnie, that that means that somebody's got to go through. That's right. Somebody does. But you're just not somebody. You're part of his body. Which makes you different. You forget that so many times. Oh, but I'm just a mere mortal. I, I, I can't do that. I can't fight supernatural. You are so right in your humanity. But in your soul, you are divine. In your soul, you are a part of the great eternal himself, which gives you a great advantage over hell. 
Ever wonder why the scripture says if a thousand would raise up on one side and 10,000 would come before you? Ever wonder why the devil would send a thousand against you? That shows what he thinks about you. And then if you, then if you wipe out that thousand, he sends out 10,000. How come there ain't 10,000 of you? How come God don't clone you whenever you get in all kinds of trouble? Then God makes 10,385 Freds. And then all them Freds go out there and fight them devils. No, there's one Fred, and then the devil will send a thousand, and Fred whoops the fire out of them, and then the devil empties out 999,000, whatever more, and he sends them right up there and he says, Lord, have mercy. He sent every one of them back into hell. And they was coming down there like a bunch of whip strip young ones. They come back there crying and they're carrying on. Why? That shows the power of one child of God. And Satan knows that. Oh, he lies to you, and he tells you you're weak. He tells you you're defeated. But count how many he sends your way. Count how many there are of them, and how many there are of you. If he is so powerful and so great, why don't he send it one-on-one? He's scared. Glory to God. There ain't a devil in hell that's stupid enough to want to meet one Holy Ghost filled child of God one on one. I wish I was out in the woods by myself. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Glory to God. The water was probably 30 or 40 feet deep in there. And he said, the third day, we're going over. Now, God said it. And he wasn't talking to angels when he said it. But he looked at a bunch of mortals and said, we're going over. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? I said, we're going over. Are you all with me? Imagine Joshua and Casey. Let me at him. Call the people together and sanctify them for the third day. We're passing over Jordan. See how God lets things happen? Just to make people, just to pull out his crowd. So the others look at it and say, Oh my goodness, the chances of this is totally impossible. Can you imagine the square root of this and that? I don't know about no square roots. Most of the time, everything is round. <laughs> well, the calculation of this, the chances of this happening, how in the world can just one out of a million go in this daytime? And you think that you're one of the million? No, I don't think I am. I know I is. <laughs> I don't just think I'm going to. I believe by the grace of God, Brother Larry, he wrote my name on the palm of his hand. Whenever he wrote the name of the Lord Jesus on the book of life, he wrote my name down under that list somewhere. Brother Donnie, you mean you believe in all that's going on? You're going to be able to stand. I'm going to be able to stand. I'm going to be able to come out on the other side. I'm not going to barely make it by the skin of my teeth. I made it by the skin of my Savior. I made it by the blood of my Lord. They sanctified themselves and got ready. Regardless of how deep the water was. I imagine some of the people walk out there with their calculated machines and they drop their little bobber down. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,000. Oh, dear God. 
53 feet and 2 inches. Caleb said, don't worry about it. I said, well, how, how, how can you be so confident? What's he going to do? Don't have a clue. But I do know, he said, we're going over after three days. So I'm not sure if we fly over, if we walk over. I'm not sure how we're getting over, but we are going over. Friends, I don't know how we're getting over COVID. I don't know how we're going through all this stuff around, but we are getting through it. We are going through this time, and we will be stronger on the other side. Or we can stand around calculating this and come, oh, no, no, oh, that was totally impossible. It's totally impossible for a child of God not to do it. Now, can you imagine, Brother Wes, that thing being however, however wide it was, a mile wide or two miles wide, and whenever you're familiar with the Jordan River, the way it runs down through the valley and all the wash they don't have trees, trees like we did. Right now there's, there's uh, palm trees and all them plantations that are there. But it wasn't that way when Joshua and them come through. So whenever it comes a gully washer, I mean the gully and everything washes out. Whenever we were there and stayed at the Dead Sea, our hotel was right by the Dead Sea. And there come a great flash flood that night. Several people, you may have heard about it, but several young kids went on an outing and there were several of them killed while we were there. We had to go another road because the, war, the roads washed completely out. It's not a land of great grass and all that, but it's just rocks and boulders and sand. And when the water comes off of there, our road was covered up. We couldn't even get out. Had to go another way. And you imagine there was mud. There was rocks. There was boulders rolling down through there. And God said, what a great day to cross over. And the faint heart is said, I think I'll go to the back of the line. <laughs> you imagine, okay, if glory to God, let my feet be the first ones. Hallelujah, let my feet, oh, glory to God, let these number 10s be the first one to give in. Hallelujah to God. I can't hardly wait. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Look, friends, I get excited about God and his word. Some of y'all get excited about a football game, a baseball game, or a concert, or this and that and the other. I'm sorry, those things don't excite me. But this word turns me inside out. This word gives me joy. This word gets a hold of my emotions. Hallelujah. It's the greatest joy I have in my life. Regardless of how deep the water was, how muddy it was, how swift that current was. I was raised for many years of my life there in Kentucky in a little old place called Gap Creek. And that creek was so cold, the hottest day of the summer, it would freeze you to death. But little old Kentucky hillbillies, we wanted to go swimming. 
So we'd take rocks and mud and we'd find us a little deeper hole and we'd dam up that hole and you know, put sticks like a bunch of beavers in there trying to, trying to make a swimming hole. And them little old things on the bottom of it, you know, little shells under your feet. And then you'd come out there, them rocks that had laid there for thousands of years and they were moss covered. They would be so slick, you couldn't even hardly stand up on them. I fell many a time and busted my head and busted my leg and whatever more. But I wanted to swim so so bad. I knew the danger of them slick rocks. I knew the danger of getting crawdaddy bit. Y'all know what a crawdaddy is? Them things grab a hold of your toes and you're screaming, oh, mama, let go. But I knew there was danger there, but I wanted to swim so bad. I know this is a difficult road. I know this is a hard journey, but I want to go to heaven so bad. I want to live for the Lord Jesus so bad. I'm willing to face sickness. I'm willing to face sarcasm, I'm willing to face it after this sermon tonight because I know I'm going to get it, but that's all right. I want to please the Lord so bad, I'm going to go ahead and preach like a wild man. I'm going to go ahead and preach, oh glory to God. I'm going to enjoy being in the house of God because I want to please my Lord. I don't want to just go to heaven. I want to please him getting there. They knowed God would prove his word. No matter how close you are to Jordan, remember Jordan is death. The doctor may put a scan up on the screen and say, sir, I hate to tell you, but there's no hope. You may be looking Jordan in the face but remember that same one that put them mourners and sires and criers out and said, leave me in death alone in this room. Ooh, I'd like to watch death then. I'd like to see how death, death got to shaking and quivering and scared to death. That's my God. I like serving a God that can scare death to death. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. I love serving a God that can make nervous devils nervous. I love serving a God, oh my, that can turn all that the devil does right back on him and prove his word by his children. No matter what your circumstances is, if you could only hold that promise of God in your heart, God will prove it. Does he? How many of you can say, yes, I know he does. In the midst of all unbelief, he'll still prove it to be so. Glory to God. Yes, he does it. And circumstances doesn't stop him. He will still do the same as he did then. If his children will only take his word, he, he can prove it by you. Friend, this is not just Brother Branham. This is not just your pastor and the ministry. God has allocated certain promises for the laity and only you as laity can fulfill them. That's the only way. Listen to these statements. That's the only way 
He can prove his word. He doesn't prove it to unbelievers. They can't be proved. They're unbelievers. But it's not to unbelievers. Glory. It's not for unbelievers. Don't you understand why there had to be a thinning out around our message? We've been having unbelievers in the pulpit preaching for years. We've had impersonators. We've had false preachers standing in the pulpit preaching this message for years and years. We had to have a falling away. It breaks a heart. Sure it does. But he can't prove his word by them. We had pastors standing in the, in the pulpit trying to preach to the elect rapturing faith when they didn't even have the Holy Ghost themselves. How could they back away from the word of that? Don't get quiet on me. If how could one of them that ever left truly be born of the spirit of God and make fun of the revealed word of this hour? The Holy Ghost will lead you into all truths. Oh, glory to God. So he can prove it by you. That's the only way he can prove his word. He doesn't prove it to unbelievers. They can't be proved. They're unbelievers. But it's not to unbelievers. It's not for unbelievers. It's to him that believe if he can find somebody. Let it be me, Lord. If he can find somebody who will believe his word, he will prove his word by you. Sometimes sickness and things happen to us that way that God can prove himself. But that's the scary part. This is why it's so hard for us when we hear a sermon like this, we say, Lord, just go ahead and have your way in my life. And we know that we're saying a mouthful because we're thinking, Lord, oh my, well, if you're gonna prove that you're a healer, then somebody among us is going to be sick. And we want any, many, mighty, mo. Let it be you and pass me on by. Please don't let it be Brother Dow. He's a strong deacon. Oh, he's a great man. Hallelujah. But Lord, please don't prove that word by me. But Lord, I prove this word by me. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as I so prosper. Lord, I want that word to prove that word by me. But God picks which word he wants to prove by you. Ain't none of us would pick them sad parts. Ain't none of us that would want to pick them parts. Lord, I don't understand why you took my husband. I don't understand why you took my life. But I'll serve you though you slay me. And God said, I'll prove my word by you, daughter. I'll prove my word by you, son. You mom and daddy that's lost a child. And you say, God will serve you no matter what. He will prove his word by you, mom and daddy. Do you remember the blind man that Jesus found and they said, who sinned? Here is father, his mother. And he said, in this case, neither, but that the works of God might be known. See, it happened to the boy that Jesus could be glorified. Sometimes sickness is not a curse. It's a blessing. Let's just be honest. I really didn't come to church tonight for any of those blessings. Lord, you can pass me by. Well, come on, be honest. I'm just saying the way you feel. Now, go ahead and don't try to put up all your glistening armor in my face. You're a bunch of yellow-bellied cowards just like I I am a chicken. I am a coward. Donnie Reagan is. But Donnie the seed. Ah. I don't know what my real seed name is. I'll just call it Donnie. Donnie the seed is a warrior. You see, he's part of the army. And Jehovah calls himself the Lord of hosts. Earthly and heavenly. I'm a part of the assembly of Adonai. 
Glory to God. Brother West, we are not afraid to meet the devil. All when that thing gets anointed. But when the anointing moves off on the human part, oh, Jesus, please. Notice this. Oh, oh my. It happened to the boy that Jesus could be glorified. Sometimes sickness is not a curse. It's a blessing that we can stick our faith out there and call those things which are not as though they were. God said so. He'll prove it so if you'll just not weaken under the test. Is anybody weakened under the test like I have sometimes? He could prove Job one time that he wouldn't curse him to his face. Look at that trial that Job went through, but down in the very jaws of death. He yet said, the Lord gave, the Lord taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He certainly believed it. God proved his word to Job. And he proved it to Abraham, and he proved it so. Joshua and Caleb said, we are more than able to take it. Why? God give it to them. Praise God. No matter how big the giants were, my, think of your giant. Now them Nephilims, my goodness, them guys, they was unbelievable. Generations after that they had done killed them, they found one guy over there that was still a remnant of that seed in his bedstead. Mine was about 10 foot long, just his bedstead. I mean, their fingers 14 inches long and they'd have a spear like a weaver's needle 35 feet long for a spear. You imagine their head, the prophet said Goliath's head was the size of a wash tub. He'd have eyeballs about that big. An eyeball that big would make you tremble in your shoes. You ain't never seen an eyeball that big. A guy with a head the size of a wash tub when he'd turn that head around, it was empty so he didn't have much in it. But my, you're talking about a big old jaw and a big old tongue. If he'd stick that tongue out of you, look like a workshire hog. Why he'd said, him, little, 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 you better get out of your way. Why them cowards of Israel, they shook in their shoe, but boy, up there walked a little boy one day, had a little old curly red hair, and he jumped up and said, who is that uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? Let me at him, let me at him. Oh, they said, you're not a you little holy roller. We don't need you little Pentecostal preachers in this message. Oh, yes, we do. We need preachers filled with the original power of Pentecost. Oh, my. The obstacle meant nothing. Can't you see this runs in our DNA? Just like that little man when he caught a hold of that logos of Jesus when he said, don't be afraid. And all of a sudden, something must have just grabbed a hold of him. And from down in his soul, a seed of life grabbed a hold of that word. Don't be afraid. Believe only. And it went from fear. The paralysis left his face. And all of a sudden, it just released him right there. Praise God. Go ahead and get your girl some dinner. Brother, sister, if it can happen in you, it can be just like that man was when the prophet was down in Africa. Glory to God. And he knew his baby was going to be in the prayer line. What was he down there doing? Buying the shoes before the prayer line. Buy the shoes before the miracle. 
Remember Abraham and Sarah going down there talking to the doctor, making arrangements with the doctor, going into the obstetrician, and they're going into the heart blood guy, and the, you know, the blood pressure guy, going buying bird eye and buying baby shoes and baby clothes, and here comes this old man and woman hobbling down through town, and they go in, babies are us, and they walk around, they say, and people think them poor old people's out of their mind. Look at that, they got that buggy full of babies are us stuff. They wasn't out of their mind. They was manifesting what they believed. They didn't have a body change yet, but they knew God was going to have to do something in order for that baby to be our us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I'm just saying to you tonight, I'm not in the babies are us store, but I'm in the rapture are us store. I'm in the body change are us store. I'm feeling that inspiration right here tonight of the body change are us and the new body are us and a brand new Hallelujah. Place to live in. All right. Oh, but Brother Donnie, you're getting older. That ain't got nothing to do with it. It's coming, friends. Hallelujah. The prophet said when he went into the doctor's office and said, I'd like to make an appointment to see a doctor. Me and my wife is going to have a baby. Well, the prophet said they run him out. Well, you figure that. I just lost some money. He goes over our leaves, John Brown, and he goes over here to Frank Smith. Me and my wife is going to have a baby. So what have you been drinking? I've been drinking from the breast of El Shaddai. <laughs> I've been drinking, I've been drinking that body change milk. I've been drinking divine energy, hallelujah, from the presence of God. I'm in my wife, I'm telling you, we're gonna have a baby. Sure, sir, just come on in. How long have you been having these spells? Ever since I met Adonai. Brother Donnie, how long have you been having these spells? Uh, let me see, I'm 65, uh, 53 years? Oh, you mean poor thing, you're still having them spells? I'm still having them. Oh, and I love them more and more and more. Hallelujah. It's Holy Ghost spells. Why, everybody out here in the world, they're having all kinds of spells and all kinds of fits, and they're getting high on this and high on that. Come on, leave me alone. I'll tell you one thing, this is a high that more on morphine and all the rest of the drug will never be able to get you. One of these days, it will carry our bodies out of here, friends. Life at me if you want to. Make fun of me. One day you'll see my flesh change right in front of your eyes. God said so. And God proved it by them. Paragraph 110, God uses such simple methods. So, the simplicity of what? What makes it God to me? Let's jump over a few pages. Oh, maybe eight or 10, go past Matthew, Malachi, Revelation 10, Mark 16, John 15, 14, Romans 16, 20. I stopped this morning at Walgreen to get something for Carol. When I stepped out of Walgreen, I heard the voice of God say, I will bruise Satan under your feet shortly. And I thought, 
I know there's a scripture for that. I know there's a scripture. So I got my truck. I didn't buckle. I didn't start the truck. I got my phone. And I got my Bible app. <laughs> and I typed in Bruce shortly. Romans 16.20. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. And the Lord spoke to me and told me to send that scripture to two people, which I did. As I sat there in the parking lot of Walgreen, and I began to think, what a contrast in this scripture that Paul said, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. And I thought, you know, me, myself, I would have never picked those words to couple them together to say the God of peace, warring it to the great El Shaddai, the great warrior. Notice how he links that. He said, the God of peace shall bruise. But the God of peace is not the God of peace to the serpent. But while he's bruising Satan under your feet, he's giving you peace. What's going on? The God of peace, isn't it amazing that to you, he's the God of peace, and yet at the same time that he brings you a peace that is beyond your own human understanding, while that peace is inside of your soul and reverberates like a great spiritual dynamo, he is actually bruising Satan under your feet. And the God of peace shall bruise. Soon trebo is the word there for bruise. Look at this word. Break. Broken to shivers. To tread down. To put Satan underfoot. And as a conqueror, trample on him and crush. From this time on, I'm not responsible for my actions. There were two victories which were to be obtained over Satan. The first was to be over his head. Mm. Remember God in the book of Genesis spoke about a serpent bruiser, which was who? Christ Jesus. But it would be Christ in the form of the head bruising the serpent's head. I will bruise his head and he will bruise your heel. So the head is to bruise the head. But notice how he tied his body now into the rest of Satan's body. So Jesus bruised the devil's head. So we're responsible for the neck down. (laughs) 
don't you understand? Christ Jesus, the head, bruised Satan's head and his body. Jesus' body is bruising the rest of the devil's body. The head took care of the head and the body's taking care of the rest of the body. He didn't want to do it all, but he wanted to do it. Notice how Paul said it here, oh glory to God, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. It ain't you, it ain't me. It's the God of peace in you, in me, bruising Satan's neck. Under the feet of the believers. You see, God speaks as the Lord of hosts, which is the God of war. (laughs) I will put enmity between thee and the woman, thy seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. But the war continues on as it moves down into the body and my body will crush yours. Do you hear me, Satan? My body, my church will crush yours. It will defy yours. They will recognize your false church in every age and they will withstand it. The war is continuing by the West and we are bruising. We are walking all over his toes. We are walking all over his fingers. I'm telling you what, from here down to the bottom of his feet, he has been walked on, tread on, kicked, stomped. By whom? The Lord Jesus in bride form. He attacks us with this disease and that disease and the Lord places people in the church and they come up and lay hands on them and if you had a camera to be able to take a picture of it, you'd see rays of light going out of the hands of these men of God as that light of God comes out of their body and goes into yours and that demon of darkness in there sees that light coming. No wonder they leave. No wonder they head out when the men of God pray for you. They see like lightning bolts coming out of them sons of God's hands. Hmm. the seed of the woman bruised his head but the seed of the man Christ Jesus will annihilate from here down (laughs) the victory will be ours though wrought through him. Let's stand. (laughs) As the seed of the woman bruised the head of the serpent, so through the head Christ His wife will bruise the rest of his body. Can't you see why he hated Paul? Can't you see why he hated Luther? Can't you see why he hates you? Not just preachers. He hates every one of you as members of the body of Christ. Why? Because your name is Mullins or Reagan or Smith or Brown or... No. Because you're part of the body of the Lord Jesus. 
and you, you, and your testimony, and the way you live, you dispel his darkness. Amen. Just walk into Walmart, sisters, with your long hair and your long dress and your clean face. Watch how they look at you. Oh, it's not so strange. You know, if you're 80, 90-year-old woman, you got a little bun on the back of your head. But some of these younger sisters, 20s and 30s and some of that, got a skirt on. Well, well we know where they go. They go to the skirt church. Well, they may call us the skirt church. Demons call us something else. They call us the neck stomping, the belly kicking, the thigh biting, toe stomping, nail pullers. <laughs> Them devils know us by a lot of other names. Hallelujah. They walk all over us. They tread all over us. We get them down. We hit them. We make them sick. And what do they do? They go to that knucklehead preacher and them other preachers in the church and we afflict them and he prays for them and casts us out. And we get back in and he casts us out again. That's right. And you keep on doing it and we'll keep on doing it because we're ordained to trample all over your body, devil. And we will finally come to a place that this body will reach such perfection we will call our brothers and sisters out of the grave. Then death shall be swallowed up in victory. You ever wonder why that scripture was not fulfilled in the Lord Jesus himself? Why did Paul say this scripture would be fulfilled when the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain? Then shall be brought to pass the saying that death is swallowed up in victory. You mean the Lord Jesus never fulfilled that? Not in bridegroom form, but he'll fulfill it in bride form. Then that scripture, Lord, he will prove that word by angels? No, by humans. I don't have a doubt in my mind. There are people here in this building tonight that will not die. And this scripture will be fulfilled in your life and God will take us. Brother Lou, men, you may not be able to do it. Brother Dow, we may not do it. But God will take somebody and prove his word. This we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain shall not prevent or hinder them which are asleep. Oh my, for the dead in Christ shall rise first and then, oh my, that's already gone on. What are they gonna do? They're gonna bring the theophany down to the earth to pick up the redeemed body. Hallelujah, what did Paul say? For we sorrow not as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him when he comes. Don't you understand even in the sixth dimension, all the saints has passed from us. Oh my, he will prove that word by some of our brothers and sisters that have crossed over. He will prove that part of the word by them. He'll prove the living part by us. And the dead in Christ shall rise first and those of us which are alive and remain shall be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, he will prove that word by human beings. Not angels, not cherubims, human beings. Fear not, little children. Think of it, going beyond the camp, 1964, July. Think of it, missing people. They can't find you no more, but you come up missing on the earth. So all of a sudden, you just like, step out of this dimension. I remember seeing a TV show when I was a kid. 
I don't think I'll ever forget it. I never understood why that stuck out to me. But these people lived in a house. And there was a certain wall in that house. And it started with a little boy. And that little boy fell through that certain spot in that wall. And it's like he moved into another dimension. His mom and daddy come and look for him. The police come and look for him. Everybody come look for him. Weeks went by, months went by. And one day the mama was in there looking around and the mama found the door. And the mama moved into that other door. And thought they were there, but they weren't there. Think of it, missing people. They can't find you no more. But you're getting together with the rest of the group. So imagine the devil, he's laid a trap for you and boy, he's gonna set it right on the day before Thanksgiving. Man, he's been working on this trap for six months. He's gonna do this and do that and the other and the Lord says, I don't think so today, devil. Today's going home day for all my youngins. And the Lord changes you and the devil said, where did he go? Which way did he go? What happened to them all? My goodness, all them skirt people left. All them holy roller people, they're gone. Where are they? We're here in another dimension. And we're getting together with the rest of the group. Oh, there's Brother Gene. There's Brother Jim. There's Sister So-and-so. There's Brother So-and-so. And we're getting together with the rest of the group. And we come up missing on the earth. And what's God doing? Proving his word. Well, I'll say it this way. Oh, you've got to move. You've got to move. You've got to move. You've got to move. When the Lord gets ready, you've got to move. Well, you may be high and you may be low. You may be rich and you may be poor. But when the Lord gets ready, you've got to move. They threw old Daniel in the lion's den because he would not bow down to men. 
All I can say, and I believe all you can say, it ain't nothing but the truth. It ain't nothing but the truth. You've got to move. You've got to move. Blessed be the Lord. Sister Lindsay, quickly come. Sing her song again tonight, if you will. Real quickly, if you'll come, sing that. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Praise the Lord. Any good tonight? Any good tonight? Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's worship the Lord as Sister Lindsay sings this song again for us tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause you, done all is stealing And you're desperate for some healing Let me tell you about my Jesus
your Lord willing Sunday morning let this revival start in you tonight let a revival burn in your heart tonight it takes one it takes one for a revival to start in let's get it let's get a hold of God like we've never got a hold of him before he wants to do so much more for us than we're letting him do somebody say praise the Lord give him a good hand clap of praise Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother, just, just play something tonight while we get ready to leave. Been so good. Brother Donnie, God bless your heart. Wasn't nothing but the truth, buddy. Amen. Nothing but the truth. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Just play something, Brother Larry, you guys, if you will. We'll be dismissed in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.